0: Keeping you informed among the uninformed. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer.
1: All right, I shared with you as much of the back story as, uh, as I could. Uh, if you recall the interview we did Tuesday morning with the superintendent of Brooklyn schools, Ted Kolaris, um, it was a very troubling situation for him and for the entire school when suddenly uh, they were in the spotlight, not just locally, but national news and sports outlets picked up the story that the head coach had his players using the term Nazi on the football field while they were playing a school from a town that is 90% Jewish. It has led to, as I say, a, nation, a nationwide backlash, and uh, everybody's got an opinion on it. Well, the coach decided to resign his position, according to the superintendent. It did so in a meeting on Monday. Um, and now the coach is speaking out publicly and suggesting it wasn't his call that he was asked to resign. Uh, how much does that change the story? Let's talk to his attorney right now and find out. His attorney is Peter Patakos, who joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer, exclusively. Uh, attorney Patakos, good to have you on our program. How are you this
2: morning? Hi, Bob. Thank you. I'm doing well. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, I wish we were talking about something that wasn't quite as, uh, as dramatic and heavy as this because there is a lot, there are a lot of layers to this. Um, I think. I mean, I know that I and almost everybody that listens to this program and probably you are well aware that there is a concern over the rise of anti-Semitic statements and anti-Semitism that we are seeing, not just in the country, but in some other places as well. Um, It's a legitimate concern. And when you have a Jewish school or excuse me, a, a school from a Jewish community hearing the word Nazi on a football field, it's not ideal for everybody. I think we can all agree on that. Right.
2: Certainly, Bob. Certainly, Bob. I mean, look, racism, bigotry of any kind is profoundly un-American and recognized by everyone as wrong.
1: Yeah, um, and, I think that's and, that's important to note here. And and the reason I set the question up that way, uh, Peter, is because I want you to explain from your client, Coach McFarland's position why this was not bigotry, not racism, and certainly not anti-Semitism. You, you put out a very lengthy statement, but rather than reading that to the people, I'm just going to ask you to explain it to us uh, in your own words right now. Tell us why, according to Coach McFarland, this was not bigotry or anti-Semitism.
2: Sure, Bob, thank you. Um, you know, we mention in our statement that in a football game, anyone who is familiar with the game of football knows that it is routine for players at the line to bark out coded calls, uh, to change formations, to warn of, of oncoming blitzes, et cetera. And I cited the famous example of Peyton Manning and, and his Omaha call that he would make. Mm-hmm. So w- what was happening here, and one of the things that has upset Coach McFarland is the idea that, this was a, a play call in their book, like, okay, this is, this is the Nazi, uh, we're going to run Nazi right or something like that. It wasn't that. This is, this is something that's less than a play call. It's a line alert. It's a code word. And you know, it's historically appropriate. I have to maintain Bob, uh, uh, leaving aside that the, that it, that it might justifiably offend someone. Mm-hmm. Um, the term Nazi has been used in American football at the line of scrimmage to warn teammates of an oncoming blitz, of an oncoming evil. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's like the British are coming, the British are coming. Instead, you're just saying the Nazis are coming, the Nazis are coming. Watch out. We have to defend ourselves. I, if anything, it's, it supports the notion that Nazis are evil. Football is a militaristic game. And, um, you know, this is a, the, the term blitz itself, Bob is a Nazi term comes from the term blitzkrieg. The term blitz is used in literally every single football game and every single TV broadcast that takes place. So, um, you know, one of the things that we put in our statement yesterday was we included a handout that one of coach McFarland's respected colleagues, and he has very many of them, uh, found from the 1990s from an Ohio High School Coaches Association handout that lists the call Nazi as one of six line calls that are used to alert teammates of blitzes. So this is not something that he invented. This is not something that's new. Um other players and, and you know, thankfully uh, someone came forward and spoke to cleveland.com yesterday and said, "Yeah, I played for this coach. He's one of the greatest men, uh greatest coaches that I've ever played for. He he clearly didn't intend to hurt anyone and we've used this call in this way uh back when I played for for a different school, I think Fairview Park. Um, years ago. And I specifically remember I played for Revere High School in Richfield in the nineties for Joe Papano. And we, we use that call as well. And other teams use that call. And, you know, you're not calling anyone a Nazi. You're not, you're not trying to say that, oh, we're, you're, you're a Jew and we're coming to get you. It's not, it's the opposite of that. It's we fight Nazis. Nazis are evil. We're alerting to the presence of evil in the form of a blitz. And so we're, we're going to block it. So, you know, if, if things have gotten to the point, Bob, where where we need to be more sensitive about using these terms, okay, uh, Coach would acknowledge that. Um, I, I, I suppose I can acknowledge it, although I still think uh, that reasonable people can disagree uh, about how sensitive we need to be about these things. I, I think that well. uh, uh, decent people can reasonably take issue with this kind of what I would call speech policing. But... Even if one acknowledges that Coach McFarland's team shouldn't have used the Nazi call, particularly in this game, which is understandable, I think the more important issue here is about the consequences that this seventy year old man an exemplary public servant, should have had to suffer as a result and, and well we'll come back to that let me let me jump in
1: here we 'll come back to that part of it uh, about the separation from Brooklyn in a moment but um, I want to stay on and I agree with you this is a this is very much a free speech issue. I agree with you also that it is unfortunate that the term was used um, it is it is especially in right now a hyper sensitive cancel culture type society in which everybody who claims offense gets to take their 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 pound of flesh in 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 uh you know uh in return uh it's probably something that is best not used anymore but i understand and you also uh in addition to uh presenting that um uh, that uh, excerpt from the coaches clinic this was the a clinic not just put on by some nobody this was the Ohio High School Coaches Association so this was an accepted term by all of the coaches uh, you know at the time when they were conducted these clinics and this was in the 90s so you know we were even closer to World War II you know back at that point than we are right now the idea that it was not that was acceptable then but not acceptable now is is kind of silly and, and, Peter, what I want to, what I want to point out here is the part about this not being anti Semitic. I have tried to explain this to people since I first covered the story, uh, on, on Tuesday and inter- interviewed the superintendent. I have in front of me an example of coaches using line calls that are absolutely anti Semitic because the word Nazi would not be a slur for a Jewish person. If anything, it would be a slur toward a German person to be associated with Nazism. A, a slur against a Jewish person and thus anti-Semitism would be this example. This is from the New York Times, March 24th of 2021. Duxbury High School in Massachusetts. The coach there was fired for um, anti-Semitic terms that were used at the line of scrimmage during a game that year, that month, Robert Treston, the director of the Anti-Defamation League's New England region, said the players were using the words Auschwitz, Rabbi, and Dradel as audibles or last-minute play calls during their game against Plymouth North High School. Now... Peter, what I'm saying is, is if the Brooklyn team had been playing Beechwood, and specifically Beechwood because of the high Jewish population in that wonderful community, and if they had been using calls like Rabbi, Dreidel, and Auschwitz, we have a different story here, don't we? I
2: think so. I think so. That would have been very, very strange, very questionable, and you know, arguably very anti-Semitic and intended to offend.
1: Exactly. And, and the fact that the, the term Nazi was used here, and again, I think it's important to note this too. According to what I've been told, this isn't the first game Beachwood has been has played again. Excuse me, Brooklyn has played against Beachwood since Coach McFarlane was there. They played them again last. Uh, played them last year as well. Used the same calls, but nobody said anything. Maybe the wrong set of ears heard it this time and lodged the complaint that led us to where we are. Should that lead to uh, a coaching career ended?
2: Oh, well, and, and, and we would say no, Bob. And, you know, I know I issued a very, a very strong statement yesterday in defense of my client. And, and part of the reason for that is the, the overreaction to this, Bob, is so troubling. It, again, you have, even acknowledging that he did something wrong, that he made a mistake, that he shouldn't have done it. Look, uh, part of, uh, part of the, part of being an American is you don't have to be a saint. <laughs> and and people make mistakes, and people learn from their mistakes. I, I I think even the Jewish faith, Bob, it teaches truth. It teaches that you don't cause unnecessary harm to people. And my question for the folks in Beechwood that have insisted on uh, taking Coach McFarland's job and, and you know having him flogged in the in the public square, in the court of public opinion. I want to ask them, how are they being truthful about what harm was really done here? And how are they, how are they reconciling the damage that they have caused to this man's career and to this community? Uh, who you have a group of kids, varsity football players, you only get one or two seasons as a varsity football player in high school. And if you're a Northeast Ohio kid like I was, those are the, some of the best years and best memories of your life and and now this has been blown up this team season has been blown up and look i hope they can rally around this and and still have a great season but bob i i can disclose this on the air today we learned yesterday um, so, so coach McFarland is a 70 year old man. He has a successful business, which is why he's been an assistant coach for most of his career. He played for St. Edwards. He's a great man with a great player. He actually also played division one football at Louisville, uh, for their program, which of course is a, a very decorated program. Lamar Jackson played for Louisville. Uh, and You know, he's been in the game for decades. He's coached at some of the best schools around here. And then finally he's able, he's at the point in his career where his business is successful enough and he's semi retired that he can take a head coaching job. So he goes to Brooklyn in part to be of service to this community. And there are players on his team that, you know, that some of these kids, as as at many schools, just they don't have the best home lives. And football is a lifeline to them. It teaches them discipline. It teaches them hard work. It teaches them it, – it gives them an outlet that sometimes the classroom just isn't there for some of these boys. And there are specific boys on that team who Coach McFarland had helped save and keep on the straight and narrow. And there are already examples of some of those boys – um, already, just being traumatized by the fact that their coach, their mentor, their leader has lost his job. So, okay, let me uh, let it, me ask just, you, if
1: you could, Peter, because I may have missed it in some of your explanations there and talking about Louisville and and beyond. You said we just learned yesterday what
2: uh, that or you want to
1: disclose. The, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: Yes, I, I can. I can now disclose that um, some of Coach McFarland's players, who uh, Coach McFarland had really helped come around and really the, the game of football oh, okay. was really helping some, some of these uh, boys that maybe would, were having more difficult time at home, Got it. Okay. but football can be a lifeline for them. Some of these boys have already been affected and i am not really at liberty to disclose more than that no of that, course not but I wouldn't it, even it ask just it, you. it just goes to show uh, and anybody who's familiar with the game of football uh, especially high school football under a good coach and a good mentor knows how much that matters knows how a much a percent. good coach and a good mentor matters, so. A thousand, you
1: know, a thousand percent. And, and I apologize. I thought that was the predicate to somewhere else that you were going. So that was the point that he's been helping a lot of kids who are needy kids, uh, in, in a variety of ways. And most great coaches and g- even good coaches do that. The game itself is cathartic to a lot of kids for a lot of reasons. And if they've got the right coach, it can certainly be a benefit. So I'm glad to hear that. Uh, but I do need to fast forward a little bit here. We're talking to attorney Peter Patakos. He is representing coach Tim McFarlane, who has just been, uh, who has just resigned officially from Brooklyn. High School over this uh, very unfortunate situation, so we need to get to the issue now of that termination or the end of his reign. I don't want to call it terminate because he wasn't fired, but the end of his uh, tenure as the head coach there. In the interview that I aired earlier on Fox 8 News, the interviewer asked him about his resignation, and he said he was asked to resign, did did Coach McFarlane. Uh, David Nethers then said, or... In other words, were you was it were you told resign or to be fired and Coach McFarland said, well, that was never made clear, but I was asked to resign. Can you be more specific about that, please?
2: Sure, Bob I, I my impression of what happened is that McFarland understood that if he did not resign that he would have been terminated. So you know he was very surprised that he was asked to resign. Uh, I think if you watched and, and apparently you did, you watched some of these interviews that McFarland gave to the local news stations yesterday. Just, just that one, know, yeah. Very, yeah, he is a very soft-spoken, humble man. Um, and, you know, when, when he was asked to do this, he essentially saw the writing on the wall. So he said, "If they, if this is what they're telling me to do, then I guess I have to do it." So, in my view, Bob, it's a forced termination. And we lawyers argue about this all the time, whether it's a constructive termination or, or you know, whether whether he actually resigned. But the fact is, he was forced is it, to isn't resign. Isn't it an important had, 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 though from a legal never...
1: perspective, Peter? I'm sorry. Isn't it important though? Again, when he was when he was asked by the interviewer, um, was there an "or"? Isn't it important that he wasn't told we need you to resign or else we're going to fire you? That that, that that makes a difference in legal parlance, does it or does it not?
2: Yes, yeah, it, it can. It can. But I don't really think it's going to be significant here. I don't think that... Um Coach McFarland is going to go suing Brooklyn um, over this. So it read really mind. Well, you, doesn't you, end you know up.
1: what? You read my mind. You read my mind because at the <laughs> very end of your statement, um, you're very lengthy. And by the way, I appreciate that statement you put out there because it was very thorough. The very last line in the statement you released yesterday is quote, McFarland is weighing all legal options available to him against those who caused this extremely damaging and defamatory firestorm. So um, that makes it sound like he's considering suing uh, Brooklyn. But, heck, he may be even considering suing Beachwood if you're talking about people who caused this defamatory firestorm because they have come after him and after Brooklyn very, very heavily.
2: Well, now you're reading my mind, Bob, because that's exactly what we're talking about here is, you know, had had the folks at Beachwood um, not done what they did in this situation, uh, you know, I think he would still have his job. Had there not been this overreaction, and to me just – Uh, weaponization of a false accusation of anti Semitism. I mean, this guy, and, and, you know, this is part, he just called me two days ago. And by the time he calls me, he's already on, he's a headline at ESPN.com, New York Times, all over uh, every local and national news station. Oh, coach forced to, for, coach forced to, uh, resign because he used an anti Semitic slur. Well, you know, again, and that's why I was very clear. Nazi is not an anti-Semitic slur. It's an anti-German slur. People call each other Nazis all the time. I, it's, it's, oh, you Nazi, why are you doing that? That's, it's, there's, it's not anti-Semitic at all. So, you know, that's defamatory. And when you have public officials in Beachwood, and, and there's you know, there's some great public officials in Beachwood, um, who some of whom I'm very proud to have represented, and I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about certain specific uh, uh councilmen in Beechwood who seem to uh think that they gain political power by by putting scalps on their belt. And that's what really bothers me more than anything else. And we have seen this time and time again in politics, in national politics, in global politics, where if somebody wants to take somebody out, uh, call them an anti-Semite. Let's smear them as an anti-Semite, and then they won't get elected again. And, you know, not that not that Coach McFarland is an elected official, but it's from the same playbook. And it seems that these guys, the more scalps they get on their belt, the more powerful they think they are. And then it drives fundraising and and everything else. And to me, it's just extremely harmful, extremely damaging. And, you know, we just need to get back to a world where there's more common sense uh, when when these things happen. Where an, an innocent misunderstanding should not turn into what's happened here.
1: Yeah, I uh, I would tend to agree with most of that. Um, I won't ascribe any motivations to anybody specifically at Beechwood because I don't know what they are. But I have heard some of the things, and I do understand uh, the points that you are making. Uh, and you're right about one thing, particularly, that uh, one of the worst things you can call anybody in America today is racist. And that would mean whether it be anti-black or anti-any other ethnicity or religion or uh, 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 ethnicity such as Jewish um and so if you call somebody something that is uh, you call somebody a racist or call them an anti-semite um it is now the exact opposite of what it is in a court of law in the court of public in the court of law you are innocent until proven guilty in the court of public opinion you are guilty until you somehow prove that you're not what they said you are and now tim mcfarland has to prove that he's not an anti-semite now the brooklyn schools have to prove that they're not anti-semites because that's what the allegations have become
2: absolutely bob Absolutely. And, and what really troubles me about this is that, again, as soon as, as soon as someone notified McFarlane that they were upset about the use of that term, and this was the coaches before halftime of the game, yeah. he immediately stopped. And he said, okay, we won't use it. They came up with another term, and he explained this uh, on TV yesterday, too. They came up with another term, and then McFarland specifically offered to apologize directly to the players, whether on the field at that moment or at halftime. And the Beachwood coaches said that wouldn't be necessary. And he thought that was the end of it. But you know what, Bob? They, They didn't want an apology. They wanted his job. Yeah, they well, it's, it's interesting job.
1: when you say they too. We should probably be clear because, again, to my understanding, and this goes back to my conversation with Ted Kalaris, the superintendent of Brooklyn, he said his counterpart at Beachwood was was accepting of the apology and and was pretty much ready to move on from this, particularly after the resignation. But that it's individuals, not necessarily with the schools, but within the the uh, uh, city government in Beachwood, that uh, between the mayor and the certain members of council, they're the ones who seem to want more than just what is already happened
2: that is exactly who i'm referring to bob and you know another thing that's really troubling about this is even after the wave of national press uh calling mcfarland an anti-semite there were other stories about some of these beachwood councilmen you know continuing to drive clicks with this and and new stories saying they want a full investigation etc well you know we gave them an inv- we gave them some facts yesterday that they can chew on well, and i hope well, they keep chewing on them
1: Peter Patakos, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about your client situation. I feel badly for a 70-year-old man who's been uh, a coach for 43 years who's going to, in all likelihood, see his career end this way. This is how he's going to go out and perhaps be remembered by, and I I find that to be very, very unfair. I sympathize with those who are concerned about anti-Semitism in America. I do, and I oppose it as as vehemently as anybody does, but I don't think this was anti-Semitism, and I do think the First Amendment has to come in to play here cancel culture needs to stop political correctness that takes scalps needs to stop the 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 word might have been a poor choice of words it might have been in poor taste but it in no way was anti-semitic And in no way to my estimation should it have led to an end of a career Um,
2: amen bob and i will just say for anybody that knows coach mcfarland and that's hundreds and hundreds of people who this man has touched they know that this is not going to define him this is not going to define him, and if anything, he's a he's a great man to sort of have this experience to help demonstrate just how out of control things have gotten yeah. with cancel culture. But McFarland, is he's going to continue to walk tall, and I'm proud to represent him, and I'm grateful for you giving us a forum here, Bob. Thank well, you. Well,
1: if, uh, if this does lead to some legal action in any way, we look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bob. Peter Patacos, the attorney for Coach Tim McFarland. Um, We'll get some reaction to it when we can. We do have Senator Jerry Serino coming up after the top of the hour as well. Always Right Radio.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn.